Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. Welcome back to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Host David Pulsini is with Six Point Financial. And while I love the name of the company, I have to admit I'm curious about where it comes from and what it has to do with offering top-notch financial service to clients. I'm Patrice Sikora, and it just so happens I have David right here with me so I can ask. David, I'm asking, the name Six Point Financial, does it have a story? Where did it come from? Yeah, well, hello, Patrice. Thank you for coming back after the last one. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Six Point does have a story, and although it may not be the most exciting story, um, I will go through it a little bit. We, we came up with the name in 2018, and we were trying to name our own firm to do our own our own thing and our own branding and, and that kind of stuff behind the scenes. But we had marketing companies. We had different people helping us. We visited several establishments talking about the name. <laughs> and uh, if you've ever tried to name a company, it's almost like trying to name one of your children. <laughs> and it's so true. The uh, And it, when you have six different people trying to make a name, there's always one person that doesn't like something mm -hmm. or love something. So we probably went through, I'm not kidding, five, 500 names within a one month period. So anyway, six point where, where it comes from is really what we do for our clients. And what I mean by that is we kept asking ourselves throughout the naming process, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to get out there? What do we, what do we actually do for our clients? And once I named it, it seems so obvious. And by the way, after all the establishments and marketing companies and picture us sitting in boardrooms on whiteboards and easels and all these things, just trying to come up with a name. I thought of it in my kitchen one night and I thought of, well, we do five different things for our clients, five main pillars, but there's a sixth thing that's a catch-all that I'll get into. So that's where the six point really comes from. What what are the six things that we do for our clients? And it comes and from your and it comes from your kitchen. <laughs> it comes from our kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was filling my water jug and uh, I just said, "Hey, five point financial," and I sent it to the the team. And a guy said, "What about six point financial?" And I said, "Yes, I'm." A, by the way, Patrice, I'm a fan of even numbers. Everything has to be even. <laughs> So volume on the TV, volume in my car. If there are any people that are listening that are like that, they totally understand. So we had to go with six point anyway. Oh, so you're not OCD <laughs> at all, are you? Not, not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so six points, you said five of what you were offering, and then there's a sixth, a sixth one that came into play. Let's start yeah. with number one. Tell me about them. Yeah, so a, a brief overview. The six points are investment planning, retirement income planning, risk management, tax planning, estate planning, and then the sixth is custom goal planning, because there are things that we do for our clients that don't really fit into any of the above. So those are the six points that if we cover and we, we do it well, and we go through those with our clients over time, that we feel that we're doing a good job 
with each of our clients. So those are the six, I would call them pillars. And then underneath those six pillars, by the way, you'll appreciate this, especially during this pandemic. I had a friend ask me, hey, Dave, you're a financial advisor. What do you, are you guys actually doing anything? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, we're, we're working. So, um, He's like, well, I financial advisors don't do anything. My financial advisor is always golfing or whatever. So I took it into my own hands and as any good friend would do trying to prove him wrong, I, I made a list off of the top of my head of 119 things that we do for our clients. And th there's actually more. That was literally within 45 minutes, I wrote down 119 things. But how I came up with those was they each of those things fit into one of the six points. But it's an odd number. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to add one. Now I'm going to have to add podcasting to it. <laughs> right. So 120 things we do for our clients. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, tell me about that because these are pretty broad categories that you've got here. Drill down a little bit for, more for me. Yeah. So the first point is investment planning. And by the way, this does not go in any specific order. But mm. what I say is it's almost client friendly. It's what people think that we do. So okay. the first thing that people think of when they think of a financial advisor is investments. So I put investment planning first and within investment planning, and we'll do an entire episode just on each of these points, by the way, but whenever we're meeting with a client, we want to know what is the money for? What, what do they need that certain money for? What is that investment for? And what is the purpose? Then you back into what mix of investments do we need? Then we figure out what investments or funds do we actually choose? And then how often do people check on their investments? So anytime somebody has an account, and we'll just use a retirement account because that's the most popular investment. Anytime someone has a retirement account, they have a goal in mind for that money. So as a client, I think that they need to look at how do they need to invest it? When are we going to take it? When do we make changes to those investments? Do we need to rebalance? And obviously this has been a big year for the market going down and then back up and who knows what's going to happen again for a different episode. But anytime we're doing investment planning, we ask a number of questions. Clients should always be asking themselves those questions. And really how do they choose the investments that they're in is the bottom line. And any financial advisor has a process for that. You mentioned you want to know how often they check their, their holdings. That's, I've, that's the first time I've heard somebody say that. Would you prefer they not look or do you want them looking every day? That's a great question. The if, if we're working with a client, they are pretty well informed. We do have clients that log in every day. And by the way, if clients are listening to this, I can see when you log in to look at the investments. So <laughs> <laughs> I do have people that log in every single day. And then I have people that you'd think they log in every single day to look at it. And they look at it once every year, once every six months. Hmm. I think that if there is a plan in place and we're doing a good job and the advisor is communicating with the client, they don't need to check on it every day. I think that will also drive people crazy. Yeah. Now, I, I understand why, especially this year, someone would look at their investments on a pretty consistent basis. I mean, if I had to make a recommendation on that, I'd say as long as you have your goals set, you know what the money is for, and then you can just be patient and you're okay with the risk tolerance that you're in, I would look at it as almost as little as possible until your advisor reaches out to go over it with you. And how often should that happen? How often should they be reaching out to you? The, advise, the advisor reaching out to the client, well, 
I've seen all, all sorts of different models. I know, I know for us, our clients, we reach out on a monthly basis through a video and then we review, we do our client reviews every May and every November. So we meet with all of our clients in May and November, which are obviously very busy months for us, but there are many reasons for that. And again, we can get into that in a different episode, but so we'll meet with our clients twice a year. If they need something in the meantime, obviously we'll, we'll meet with them in between, but we really try to stick to May and November, a monthly video. And then anytime they reach out to us, we direct them to our website for more information. And it's different for different advisors. I've worked with advisors that they just meet in January. Some advisors meet with their clients every two years. Um, that those are all completely normal. We just choose to, the monthly video is really, really helpful for us. Do you, I'm, I'm sure you look at your clients and you talk to your clients about risk, you know, how much they're willing to put up with and how much security they would rather have. With risk management, do you see people changing in a market like this? Yeah, well, we had a lot of people that tried to, and <laughs> thankfully, most of our clients listened to us. And and anybody knows this, in, in March of 2020, the, the markets, I can say the broad markets, all of them, and by the way, most people talk about the market, they talk about the Dow, there are many markets out there. Right. So we look at all of them, but the the broad markets obviously took a very large hit in March. And then as we know now, came back very quickly. But when you're in the middle of that, I completely understand that it's hard to see. One thing that I'll tell you is we had a lot of, a lot of clients that thought they were aggressive. When you have 10 years of the markets all going up, basically with yeah. a couple hiccups, maybe everybody says they're aggressive. But then when something like March happens and they lose 10, 20, 30% very quickly, they realize that they're not as aggressive as they thought they were. So yes. we did have a lot of people that, I mean, obviously reaching out, but I will tell you, we were very proactive. I mean, within a couple of days, each of our clients had an individual phone call, video, email, whatever it took to get a hold of them to make sure they felt okay about it. So, and I've been through this before. I've been doing this since 2003 and obviously 2008 mm -hmm. was, was very bad for people. And during that time, I, I learned that if that happens again, I'm, we need to have a communication plan in place, as most advisors do, by the way. So we decided to, we'll call it, go on the offense. Immediately when this happened, anyone on our team reached out to their clients and said, what can we do? We want to make sure you feel good. So I think out of the clients that we work with, I had one client that just insisted that they go into cash. Oh, wow. And just one. And Unfortunately, I mean, obviously as the advisor, I can talk, try to talk them out of it or talk about past, past performance and history and the market's going to come back. And, uh, that per one person went into cash and everybody else, we were able to just stay, stay for the long course and remember what the goal was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tax planning. It's not quite tax mm -hmm. season yet, but somehow it's always tax season. How do you help your people that way? Yeah. So this it starts with, I, I really don't know of anyone who enjoys paying taxes. So we, we, if we can, we want to help minimize what people owe in taxes. And there are many ways to do that. But this actually ties back into why certain advisors meet with their clients in May and November. So the May review that we do, or many advisors do, typically people will have their tax returns done in April. And then in May, we have them bring their tax returns in 
and we use a software planning tool to figure out what tax bracket we're in. And not to get too boring or technical on this, I can do this later, but then we can figure out how much somebody can convert into a Roth IRA that year or look for potential capital gains that we can mm-hmm. take off the table. So a lot of times I want to make sure we talk about this. I did have a number of people this year that said, I would just say something like, uh, Patrice, do, do you know how much you paid in taxes last year? Too and much, too much. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there you go. I don't know if anybody who enjoys paying taxes, but I had surprisingly, and after so many years of doing this this year, I had a number of people that said, Dave, I didn't pay anything in taxes. I actually got a, a thousand dollar refund. And I said, okay, do you have your, it's a 1040 form. So it's one, two or three pages. We look at the 1040, plug it into a software system and it, it shoots out what they actually paid in taxes. So it'll give the total income, how much should we pay in taxes? What are some ideas on minimizing taxes? But this person that thought they got a thousand dollar refund actually paid $27,000 in taxes. Oh, they just, they just don't see it because it's withheld out of right. their paycheck. So, I mean, very basic stuff like that. So I had a lot of people that, yeah, again, very surprised. At least 10 people said I didn't pay taxes last year. I got a refund. And when if you're act- listening, that's, that's just not true. Right. <laughs> Most when of in, the time. When in actuality, you are paying, you just don't feel it. As you say, it's coming out of your paycheck. Yeah. And you don't see it. So one, one easy thing and idea that a client can take advantage of is maybe we can change some tax withholdings around and contribute more to your retirement. So if you're not maximizing your retirement account, you can maybe change your withholdings out of your paycheck and then contribute that same dollar amount into your retirement accounts. So then at least it's the same net effect on your taxes at the end of the year, but at least you get to keep it and it's in your retirement account rather than paying the government. And, And we do one last thing I'll say about taxes and then we'll move on. But the, I have a, a number of people that say, um, especially in our public school sector or our healthcare workers, I have them withhold an extra $200 a paycheck so that I don't owe at the end of the year. Well, why don't we take that $200 and put it into something? If you're not maximizing your pre-tax retirement, let's, let's put it into that. It basically does the same thing mm-hmm. and you get to keep it. That's a nice so, thought. I mean, that's just a very simple idea. There, there are many more, and we get into, again, the November review, we talk about actual Roth conversion. So if somebody has $5,000 left in the bracket tax bracket that they are in without going into the next bracket, we would convert that $5,000 and push them right to the edge of the tax bracket. How do we do that? goes back to the point number four there, which is tax planning. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about estate planning? That's a uh probably down the road for more of your clients. But how about that? I'm really happy that you said that, Patrice, because I get that all the time. When someone hears estate planning, they think that it's only for very wealthy people or older people, and they're thinking of like a will and leaving stuff behind, which the second part is true. But I mentioned this a little bit in our last episode. So estate planning could be, if you are a young family and let's just use me and my wife, for example, I'm, I'm 40 and she is 37. We have two children. Estate planning is what would our, our seven-year-old and our three-year-old, what, where would they go Mm -hmm. if something happened to both of us? Or if I have, 
for example, a million dollar life insurance policy. This is a big one. And I can give you many horror stories on this. If, if we both pass away and we have a million dollars of life insurance, what is going to happen is again, for a different episode, but the court will appoint somebody to take care of those finances until the children turn 18. And on their 18th birthday, they're going to get a huge check. Oh, that's not good with an 18 year old. Never good. And I can tell you when I was 18, if I got a million dollar check, I don't think I'd be doing this right now. So, <laughs> um, and it's, and it's mostly after tax money and all this other stuff. So, I mean, there's more to it, but we, we actually call those the Corvette funds, by the way, because we see, ah, it, yes. we see it all the time. Yeah. The, the 18 year olds will go out and they'll, they get an inheritance and maybe they started college and all of a sudden, like they're the ones at, at college buying everybody's dinners and maybe whatever else they're buying and they have the new car and. Mm. Typically they blow through it. So in an estate plan, for our example, I'll, I'll tell you what we do. We we set up a will, a healthcare uh, proxy, power of attorney, and a trust. Trust is a scary word, and I won't get into all of this. We'll have an attorney come on and talk about it in a different episode, but the trust just makes rules. So the rules for us are that if something happens to my wife and I, this money goes into a, an account, a trust. Just think of a trust as another person. That person now has that money. It's really just called a trust. Mm -hmm. And our rules are instead of the kids getting money when they're 18, they get the money a third of it when they're 30, a third when they're 35, and a third when they're 40. Okay. So, and you can set it whatever you want to. So, some people are more strict about it than others. I just know at 30, 35, and 40, in, in my opinion, that gets them they're up and going. They're probably working. Maybe they have a family. They can probably make better decisions than when they're 18 years old. Well, so, you would certainly hope so. Yeah. And then the other estate planning, healthcare proxy and power of attorney. It's, I have seen, I, I'll give you an example. If, if you have, a, if you're divorced and you had a healthcare proxy in place while you were married, what if your bitter ex-spouse is your healthcare proxy? <laughs> how, how fast will they tell them to pull the plug? <laughs> It's, I shouldn't laugh because that, that no, happens. Um, oh my gosh. And this is stuff you just need to update. So as part of our process, and again, this is like point, point number five out of six points. We just want to make sure that people have these things updated. They're on top of it. And we, by the way, we don't do this. I don't write the trust, the wills. I look at, we, we recommend attorneys mm -hmm. and we do that based on really the personality of the client because we have a very good network of attorneys locally that we work with. So we'll say, Hey, this person's a good fit for this attorney. I think they should reach out. And another thing is, and maybe the attorneys will be mad at me for saying this, but the other intimidating part about estate planning, first of all, the word, then you say the word trust. And then people are like overwhelmed. I get it. But if you just go in and you say, Hey, they need a trust will healthcare proxy power of attorney, please make that happen. It's a little bit of work on the client's end, but it should it, normally I get, well, how much does that cost? M maybe it's a thousand bucks. Maybe it's okay. 1500 at the most, but I am telling you once it's done, you feel really good about it. And one last thing I'll mention on this. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will say, I'll do this online myself. Every attorney, every one of them that I've ever talked to says they make more money fixing what people don't put online than if they would have just come to them in the first place. Oh, so they just, clients just, I mean, as a normal person, you just don't know all of the rules right. and for each state, by the way. And what if, what if your spouse is a resident of Florida and you're in New York and you're trying to do this online? Do you even know where to begin? So, and I could go on with this all day.
but it's a very important part of a financial plan. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's one of the six points. All right. And then wrapping up these six points, the custom goal planning. How often do you do this and exactly what is it? Patrice, this is our this is our catch-all. So if someone comes out with like seven point financial, they can't say that they're they're better because this is our catch-all. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so what I mean by custom goal planning is, and this sounds cliche, but it's true. Everybody's situation is different. Many of our clients have different things going on. We have clients that hold mortgages for people and they might hold 20, 30, 40 mortgages. Then they're getting monthly payments sent to them or they have real estate portfolios. They own several rental units or, or houses in different states. How do you manage all of those things? What is the goal for those things? What happens as these mortgages are paid off? Other custom goal planning could be, I call it sudden wealth. If you get divorced and you are, and we have this a lot, by the way, and we'll have a divorce um, specialist come on as well, but we have several clients who get divorced and their now ex-spouse was the one in charge of the finances. And they're going to get 500000 a million, $2 million, and they have no idea what to do with it. So that could be a sudden wealth event. So that, that again, that's a custom goal plan. Another one might be, um, we've had clients win the lottery, literally win the lottery and they don't know what to do with it. So that's a sudden wealth experience or an inheritance. There is a joke there, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me if they still have any of the money if they won the lottery, by the way. And I, I, I can't tell you, but uh, I think you know where I'm headed with that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've heard, no, I've seriously, I've heard it too many times. People win the lottery and- it's gone. It's it's gone. Every one of them. And yeah. it's more than one. Mm. So I'm not just saying we had one client win the lottery. We had people move out of state. And I, again, I should do a, an episode on horror stories with, with financial planning and these Corvette funds. Too bad it, um, we didn't have that for Halloween. That's right. That's, <laughs> hey, we could. But yeah, the we find that if people move out of state, they're taking 46 people on a Disney cruise mm. or they, they bought six cars for their grandkids. And all of a sudden they won a million dollars after taxes. It's 550,000. They think it's billions. And within two years it's, it's gone. Yeah. So we see that all the time, but anyway, this is where custom goal planning comes in and, and it is our job to say, and sometimes I feel like a doctor, you have to bring some bad news or what they feel is bad news. If you just inherited $3 million however you inherited it, it could obviously could be bad news in the way you got it. But my, my portion of the bad news is saying, listen, if you keep doing this, you are going to run out of money. Yeah. So it is our job to tell them that. And that's not very common, by the way, mostly it's positive. And what are we going to do with this? How are we going to set you up for the future, your kids up for the future? And that's where our clients trust us with that. Someday I hope to have that problem and I'll be in touch, David. But yeah. uh, right now, <laughs> now you've said in the past that many of the clients you serve are basically in areas of public service, healthcare, education. Does this give them a different outlook on life and retirement? What are their aspirations in retirement? That's a great question. They, I'll tell you what I find is typically in retirement, what happens for people that are very busy throughout their lives. By the way, public school employees, especially healthcare workers, they're busy and they have a purpose every single day on on going to work. Many times when people are planning for retirement, we're thinking of the financial aspect and something else we want to talk about with them is what are you going to do to stay busy all day? You've been doing these four 10 hour shifts for 35 years. 
All of a sudden that stops. What are we going to do? And I will tell you many of them, they'll, they'll laugh at me if they're listening to say, well, I'm going to, honestly, I'm going to do nothing. Hmm. I'm going to retire. I'm going to, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to do my, my hobbies. I'm going to work at a winery, whatever it may be. What I find is that, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, maybe a month or two months into retirement, they're all working again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they are, and, and because, and I, I really believe it's because they've been public employees or they've been serving the public for so long, they, they can't just stop. So people usually take a month or two or three off. And then I can think of one client that we work of, work with off the top of my head that actually is not working in some capacity. Everyone else is working and we're working with a lot of retirees. Well, there are those statistics that show men especially who retire and don't do anything die. That's also true. And you know what? It could be, I believe the study that you're reading and further down, what it points to is there's no sense of purpose. Right. I, I need something to do, something to keep me busy. And it could be, it could be anything. I have people that do all sorts of interesting part-time work. And I mentioned the wineries. That's actually, we live in the Finger Lakes in the Rochester area. There are hundreds of wineries around. So a lot of people actually work at wineries part-time and they love it. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Bring home a bottle for dinner. There you so, go. So yeah, we'll, we'll go visit and uh, hang out with them at the winery and yeah. do some financial planning in the back room. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> well, tell me how people can reach you and your team if they want to talk to you more about these possibilities of working with you and the six points of planning that you offer? The best way is to find us anywhere online. Our website is www.sixpointfp, so S-I-X-P-O-I-N-T-F-P.com. So you can go on there. Also, you can find me on LinkedIn, David Pulsini, and, and or this podcast. We'll have it at the end. So there we go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, David. David Polsini of Six Point Financial. Note that is an even number. And now we know what that name promises. To subscribe to all upcoming episodes of David's Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast, subscribe with the subscribe button on this page. And to share, of course, there is the share button. I'm Patrice Sakora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees.
This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.